You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. One of the heroes they were referring to is here today as our guest speaker. And uh, we have a very special uh, guest today uh, named David Bruce, who uh, should be familiar to many of us. Quick bio on David. I learned some, David and I have been very good friends for many years and he's one of my besties and uh, one of my heroes in the faith and I love him to death and, but I'm learning some things from your bio here I didn't know before. So, he was born and raised in Oklahoma. That's not relevant today, but that's interesting. Graduated from the University of Oklahoma degree in education, minor in Russian language. Master's degree from Antioch in psychology and, uh, family, uh, therapy. In 1988, he kind of found himself disillusioned, disappointed with the American dream and ran away to Russia. That's where they always run off to, right? (laughs) While he was there, he uh, fell in love with the culture and the literature and God tracked him down. He got met there and became a disciple in the Moscow Church of Christ. Later on, this is 1991, later on he met and married a disciple from Sweden, a C.C. Bruce, who's here with us today as well. Uh, lived in Moscow and worked in the ministry and church as a church administrator as well. Moved to L.A. in 2000 and came here right here to the west side. It was part of the west side in 2000. Later on, moved over to Turning Point Ministry, where he's a part-time minister, part-time counselor. He's been married for 24 years, two adult disciple children. One of them, of course, we know very well, right back there, Michael Bruce himself. His specialty in therapy is addiction, purity, and brain dynamics. He has spoken around the world. He is one of my greatest heroes and a great joy to have him today. Welcome to the stage, David Bruce. Wow, it is an honor to be here today. Um, I'm so thrilled. Um, and as I walked in today, man, this you guys have just transformed this place. I've not been here in seven years, and this just looks... Amazing. And for all my old friends, age is doing you really well. You look great. So uh, I'm just so floored. And even just today, listening to Tim and, uh, and to Troy, um, it just really validates why being in this church for 12 years uh, was such a um, special and important chapter uh, of our lives. And Hasis and I just cannot thank this church enough for being all that you've been for us. So give yourselves a hand. So, uh, Tim, I love Tim's communion. Amen. That was really good. And Tim mentioned, uh, and I think Troy kind of alluded to this as well, um, we all go for things in life. Is that correct? Right. We go for anything. We go for our jobs. We go for relationships. We go for uh, things that are interesting in our lives. But the one thing that I think that we all have in common, whether you live here in the west side or you live up in the hot valley, by the way, where I come from, it's always 10 degrees hotter up in the valley. So whenever you're frustrated or mad about how hot it is down here, just remember us, okay? <laughs> we're, we're suffering a little bit more than you. That's all I want to say, okay? Anyway, but my point is, when we are going for things, we also sometimes go for things quickly. Quickly. Does anyone here notice that life is fast? All right, so I found this article. I wanted to share it with you real quickly. A couple of quotes. First of all, just look at the title. Society's self-destructive addiction to faster living. Can I get a, oh yeah. Isn't that true? Does anybody feel that? 
I do. I mean, ever since I left Westside, the Westside has just been booming. I mean, I don't recognize downtown Culver City. Uh, I mean, the roads are changing. I mean, everything is changing. And I don't recognize sometimes things that are going on because life is so fast. Here's what this researcher came up with. What is supposed to help us is hurting us. What is supposed to free us ends up enslaving us. And that is the paradox of addiction. So this whole fast-paced thing, it's not just the tempo of life that we all got to get used to. It is in some ways an addiction that everyone can be vulnerable to. Now, I'm going to just list a few things. I'm an addiction counselor, like Rick mentioned. So uh, one thing that I've concluded uh, from many, many years of working in this field is that every single one of us has an addiction. Raise your hand if you have it. No, don't, don't do that. Anyway, my point is we all have something that gets us, okay? It could be alcohol, porn, food, media, likes, attention, online shopping, offline shopping, helicoptering your kids, work, praise, promotions, education, relationship, negative thinking, your couch, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, YouTube. Raise your hand if I've listed yours. Anyway, you get my point, right? There are so many things that can take over and distract us and hook us. And things that are supposed to help aren't helping. They're hurting. Things that are supposed to set us free are actually enslaving us. Now, I'm going to break uh, PowerPoint protocol and break all the rules. And I'm going to put a list here on the screen and this basically list is, are all the symptoms that can indicate that your life may be too fast. Okay? So, it's a pretty extensive list. Don't get exhausted. Just, just look at it and see if you may be living too quickly. So, some of my favorites. Uh, feeling as though you couldn't live without coffee. Do I have anybody in the room that can relate to me? I have big challenges with uh, beauty challenges. That's one I've suffered for many, many years. Uh, quick to overreact. Regular recurrent issues, uh, you know, with your physical health. Breathing. So, you get it, right? It looks like most of us, in some form or fashion, may be suffering from this addiction of living too fast. Now, uh, I also have a visual. Now, the visual that I have, it's a little graphic, so I want to apologize in advance if this is disturbing, but I just really think it's important that we understand how serious this fast-paced living is, okay? So my point is, we all have a wheel. We all have a wheel. We are going for something. We are going for something. We're pursuing it. We're pursuing it. We're pursuing it. And then all of a sudden, boom, we're flying, people. This is a dangerous thing. But before we go any further, just stop and ask yourself for a second. What is your wheel? Is it your, is it your education? Is it your parenting? Is it trying to get along with your friends? Is it some kind of issue you're struggling with chemically or some kind of behavior you can't stop? 
What is that wheel that just keeps going and you can't get a break until it starts to hurt? The reason why it's important to understand what our wheel is is because if we don't understand we have a wheel, we are not going to understand how valuable and how precious Jesus is in our lives. Uh, She goes on to say, Maybe the biggest cost we've encountered is the harm to human relationships. Instead of enhancing close bonds, technology has facilitated avoidance of direct person-to-person contact, which takes too much time. So, can I speak to the youth for a second? Youth, I just want to apologize. I know when your parents are on their phones all the time, it is so difficult to connect with them. That was a joke. No one got it. But anyway, um, so uh, my point is, right, devices have gotten in the way. They're laughing now. Okay. It's all right, people. I think that's the group that needs the coffee from earlier, but whatever. Okay. So anyway, my point is, all this device stuff makes life more convenient, maybe more interesting, but at the same time, it may be prohibiting us from understanding and just having the kind of relationships that we're made and wired to have. So, we have some good news. Jesus. Matthew 11, look at this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. See, it's like Jesus knew what life was going to be like then and what it's been like now 2,000 years later. Guess what? Life is wearisome and burdensome. But, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. See, unlike addiction, Jesus is supposed to help, and he can. Unlike addiction, Jesus is supposed to set you free, and he can. That is what is so amazing. This is why this message is timeless. What he said 2,000 years ago, it is still so relevant. I love this quote. This book has been very, very popular in our ministry. Many people are reading it. Um, I can't finish it because I'm living too hurried of a life. But um, (laughs) the point is, uh, rest is not a place I collapse into when I've finally done enough work. It's the starting place. It's the way into... The well-fitting, easy yoke of Jesus. What if we began in rest? Would it be possible to do my work without getting all wound up or collapsing? When you think about rest, is that typically what you think of? Sometimes rest is that, it's that thing that happens at the very, very end of my day. And even then, I don't necessarily do it well. Because you can't just rest. You've got to rest and you've got to watch something. You've got to rest and you've got to binge, right? You've got to, you've got to rest and you've got to get really, really comfortable. I think sometimes we are so unaccustomed to rest. We may not even be able to recognize how to truly rest in the way that God wants us and needs us to uh, there was this guy that met this uh, USC professor 
of religion and philosophy. And uh, his name was Dallas Willard. He's this very famous pro- professor that used to be at USC. And uh, this guy got a chance to meet him. And this guy was a big, you know, smart guy. He's written all these books about being a Christian. I mean, it was amazing. But the guy got to ask one question to this professor. He said, if you could describe Jesus in one word, what would that word be? Now, I don't know about you, but I would assume the word is love, right? The professor gave a very different answer. He said, if I were to describe Jesus in one word, that one word would be relaxed. Wait a minute, what? Relaxed. But think about that. You imagine Jesus teaching before thousands of people? Yeah, I think he was relaxed. There's this one moment where he's on a boat, there's this big storm, and the disciples are going crazy thinking they're about to die. And what's Jesus doing? He's just relaxed, sleeping on the boat, wondering, hey, what's your problem, guys? Right? I mean, and even at the very end, even in the, in the face of crucifixion and torture and betrayal, there's this very bizarre peace. There's this relaxed nature of his. Here's a question for us. If someone were to describe you in one word. Okay, never mind. You got you, you're with me, people. I love it. Okay, here we go. Let's move on. Now, how, what, how, Jesus actually had some things to say to teach us how to save us from this pace of life. Matthew 6. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Has anybody worried this week? See, you're all in sin. Okay, here we go. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So yeah, we can worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, and what we can wear. But I would say even today, I would even add a couple of things here. I think sometimes something that's so distracting and so consuming is worrying about what is going to entertain me. Seriously. Do, do we not do that? What, what am I going to watch this weekend? What am I going to go see this weekend? What episode am I going to binge this week. I mean, we, we are constantly being entertained or looking for the next way to get entertained. We, are, we worry about this. It engages so much of our time and our energy. Now, I'm not against those things, but I'm just saying. Could those things be part of that fast-paced addiction thing that it's supposed to help, but it's not helping? Nothing we can worry about. We can worry about the church. What's going to happen to the church? Are we growing? Are we getting through things? Do we have enough going on? Is everyone engaged? We can have all these worries about the church. And I know I'm guilty of this. I've done this for so many years. I've I've spent so much energy worrying about the church rather than just building the church. And... Opening up my home to just let people come over and let's, let's talk, let's, let's connect. Right? But if we start building the church with worry, do you know what the church will be? 
A church of warriors. Have you ever spent time with someone really worried? Have you like hung out with them for a long time? You don't like doing that. You're like, oh, okay. Sorry you're worried about that. Let me go over here and worry about my stuff. But let's go Greek for just a second. This word worry. The Greek word that's in the New Testament in this passage means to be drawn in opposite directions, divided into parts, to go to pieces, being pulled apart in different directions, like the force exerted by sinful anxiety. Worry. Isn't that fascinating? It just confirms that Jesus is here. He wants to help you. He's like, man, worry. I do not want you pulled apart in different directions. I want you to have rest. I want you to have peace. Don't let this world pull you apart in all these different directions. He goes on to say, Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, I've been a disciple for about 28 years. And probably for the first 25 years, I always read this passage very rhetorically. Like, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting point, Jesus. Or that's, a, that's an interesting metaphor you're trying to describe or whatnot. But only recently that I start reevaluating and thinking, maybe this is not a rhetorical lesson. Could Jesus be giving us directions? Whoa, 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 Jesus, hold on, hold on. Do you mean literally look at the birds of the air? I, I don't know, but, but, but let's look at the Greek. The word look. In Bilepo, stare at with a locked in gaze. To look at in a sustained, concentrated way with special interest, love, or concern. Isn't that interesting? This kind of describes more of how we watch Netflix. <laughs> than how we look at things that God has created. To, to just pause and to be in awe of something miraculous that God has made. And not only that, to look at so intentionally that you actually might learn something about your Heavenly Father. Isn't it interesting how he slipped Heavenly Father in that text? At that time, that was a very strange thing to refer God as. A heavenly what? Did you say Father? But again, Jesus is trying to introduce God's parenting of you. And he's trying to get you to slow down enough to see, to look, to connect He goes on, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, what's interesting here, we know at this point his audience is primarily Jewish. Amen? Right, Dink? Okay, all right. I'm just checking my sources here, people. But anyway... So everyone's Jewish, but it's interesting what he described. It's more interesting what he didn't refer to. He could have said, hey, consider the temple. Have you checked out that temple? That temple is amazing. It's, it's very specifically built and designed. What does he do? He says, check out the grass. I mean, when I think about theology... I think about this, right? This is theology. You take the Bible or spiritual texts and you study them out and you get some insights. You feel really smart and spiritual, I guess, and there's theology. But Jesus, in this moment, he puts down the scrolls. He doesn't even acknowledge the temple that was central to their faith. And he says, open your eyes. And look around you. Check out the creation. And and don't don't just glance it over. Like, really look at it. Um, Ironically, I learned this the most. This whole practice of connecting with God. Probably the tool I use most days and not. It's something I actually borrowed from my own recovery. You know, I used to have a, an addiction problem with pornography. And when you're looking at that stuff, it's, it's very damaging. It's damaging to your brain. It's damaging to your relationships. It's a destructive thing. But one day I realized that, wow, this whole mechanism of lust, it's something, the way God designed us to look at things, it's how the enemy is taking something God has given and completely distorted it for wrong. So just to give you a basic definition, what is lust? Lust is, I look at something outside of me to feel something different inside of me. That's what lust is. I'm looking outside to feel differently inside. But with lust, what I do is I'm looking at a human being I'm looking at a daughter. I'm looking at a person. And I'm turning that person not into a creation, but into an object. An object for me. Do you see that problem? But anyway, I'm just saying, take that same concept and let's apply it to the creation. i got something to show you. Oh, first of all, the word consider. Thoroughly examine. To grasp something conclusively by considering it carefully. Interesting, right? So it's not just a whimsical thing. It's pay really close attention. So here's what I wanted to show you. Um, These are two photos taken outside my office. I have an office here in Culver City. I work on Thursdays down here in Culver City. It's my longest day of the day. I usually have like a 10, sometimes 12-hour day on Thursdays. It's long. But I'm telling you, almost every hour I have about a five-minute break. 
And what I do is I step outside and I look to my right or I look to my left and I just look at these trees. And I look at them until I feel something inside of me. And what's strange is that thing that I feel inside of me is this thing called peace. Peace. Interesting. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. You want some theology? Go look at some trees. Go study some trees. Look at some birds. Look at something beautiful in your, in your surroundings. Just find it. And see if you can begin to feel something inside that is actually helping you get that connection with God that Jesus wanted you to so desperately have so that you're not addicted to this fast pace of living. Did you guys like my trees? Okay, you're welcome. Just so you know, this is biblical. Genesis 2, verse 9. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Wait, pleasing to whose eyes? Yours, people. We live in an age right now where some kids grow up, they don't even know that fruit comes from trees. Fruit comes from Ralph's, right? Ralph's, no, no. But that is how disconnected we are and how disconnected we can become. But guys, all the way back to Genesis, God is dropping this major hint. Guys, I'm trying to please you. I'm trying to fill you. But I'm just walking so fast. I'm driving so fast. I'm thinking so fast. I can't look. And I can't consider. It is by studying the little things that we attain the great art of having as little misery and as much happiness as possible. Is that beautiful? Guys, wouldn't it be great if you went to work tomorrow? And you just tell your coworkers you went to school and said, you know what, man, you're not going to believe this. Sunday afternoon, I went on this walk and I went on this binge of trees. <laughs> binge of trees. I binged Stranger Things. What, what did you do again? What did you look at? But think about that. What if we were that connected where we could just find and connect and see God in so many ways that this was like the bonus. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get to read a book that tells me and teaches me about Him who made these amazing things all around me. That's amazing. Jesus goes on, For the pagans run after all these things. Did you, hear the, did you catch the word there? Run. Think about the pace. Think about the speed of that, right? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
But seek first the church. Thank you. You've got to pay attention, people. Okay? It doesn't say that. It says, seek first His kingdom. His kingdom. His kingdom is so much bigger than the church. I think the church is amazing. You're supposed to, the church is supposed to say amen when I say that. But anyway, it's a compliment. But the, the ecclesia, the gathering of disciples, that's simply there to help us stay connected to the kingdom. What is the kingdom? It's where, what, whatever and wherever God's sovereignty reigns. Wherever God is in charge, that's the kingdom. Wow. I mean, Thursday the day I was looking at my trees and I looked down and there was a dandelion. Wow. Dandelion, man. Isn't that a weed? <laughs> Rick's a biology guy. Anyway, but my point is, it's a, it's a dandelion. But like the same miracle, the same power that makes this thing grow and turn beautiful and this yellow, where does that yellow come from? That's the kingdom of God. Wow. I want to be connected to that. Right? There's an African proverb that says this. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Westside Church, you guys have such a far, far, far road to go. You have campus ministries at UCLA, SMC, Pepperdine, right? You've got Sony Studios, you know, making entertainment for the world. You've got Silicon Beach bringing all this revenue into this city. I mean, this city is going, people. But all of that needs you. All that stuff going on is just people addicted to a fast-paced life. And they need you. They need you for help. And for some freedom by introducing them to Jesus. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are you guys pumped about that? Yeah. I hope you're pumped about that. That is exciting stuff. So here we go in closing. Go slow. Alright? Get off the wheel. You guys are enjoying that way too much. Alright? Look and consider this week. Read your Bibles, pray, but look and consider around you in all the ways that God is wooing you. How your Heavenly Father is trying to love you and connect with you. And if you're here for the first time, I want to ask you too. I want you to understand, this, this church is an amazing church. And just being here today, I hope you recognize how much effort people are trying to put into making this an amazing community to be a part of. But guess what? We need you to go far with us so that we can actually help and serve the West Side. Let's go far together. Thank you very much. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. 
For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.